brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 105. Egotism is not a good quality. It is not something to be admired or even tolerated. It wouldn't be tolerated of a field commander, and it shouldn't be tolerated of a movie director. John Milius. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Videoblocks. Now, Videoblocks is a subscription-based stock media company that gives you unlimited access to premium stock footage everyone could afford. If you're looking for like extra exterior shots or things that you might want to incorporate into any of your projects, whether it be a narrative, documentary, music videos, commercials, these guys got you covered. They've got unlimited daily downloads from a library of over 115,000 HD video clips, as well as a huge selection of After Effects templates for like opening credits, uh, motion graphics titles, company logos, as well as motion backgrounds as well. It's pretty amazing. And at, on average, uh, subscribers pay less than a dollar per download in a course of a year. And the content does not get stale. They're constantly adding new content to the library every month. So it keeps it keeps it very, very fresh and you always have something new to look forward to. And everything you download is 100% royalty free. Even if your subscription is canceled, you have unrestricted usage rights for anything you want to do, including personal projects and commercial projects. And you keep whatever you download and maintain the usage rights forever. Now, Video Blocks is offering the tribe a yearly subscription for 99 bucks. That's 50 bucks off the usual price tag just for you guys, just for the tribe. That's less than 10 bucks a month. So to get this deal, just head over to videoblocks.com slash hustle. That's videoblocks, V-I-D-E-O blocks.com forward slash hustle hustle for this exclusive offer and don't forget to go to freefilmbook.com that's freefilmbook.com to download your free filmmaking audiobooks from audible so guys today on the show we have a very special returning guest after popular demand uh suzanne lyons the indie film producing guru is going to be on the show today she was on the show oof, probably about she was i think episode 11 so we're in episode 105 now, so I'll tell you how long ago. She's a little bit under, probably about a year ago or so, she was on the show. And it's been easily one of the most popular podcasts in the entire uh, series of Indie Film Hustle. She just drops knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. 
and I wanted to bring her back. And uh, you know, the years passed, and you know, in in the indie film world, a year is like you know, like dog years. Uh, there's so much stuff that changes, and information needs to be updated. So I wanted to bring her back and ask her some questions about uh, what's going on in the film world today, uh, what she's been up to as far as uh, indie film producing, what she's seen out there in the world. And also, for a lot of you guys that don't know, Suzanne has been teaching for better part of over a decade now, and she's been given these very, um, God, these amazing workshops on independent film producing. And she hasn't done one in about six years. But after all of her students, her old students, her new people who want to kind of take this class again, they started to pound her and hound her till she finally broke down and said, sure, I'll finally do one. So she's doing another workshop. So if you guys are in the Los Angeles area uh, or can make it into the Los Angeles area, uh, there is going to she's going to be giving one of her uh, one of her one day workshops, which uh, she and I'll tell you, we'll go into it in the in the in the interview. But I'm telling you, you guys, if you're in the area, you owe it to yourself if you're going to make a movie to watch, to go and take this course. It is mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. So if you stay and listen to the entire episode at the end, if you are, of course, an Indie Film Hustler podcast listener, you will get a special discount saving you almost 150 bucks on the final uh, cost of the course. And it's very intimate. There's only going to be 12 people. So there's only, I think, about four spots left. So definitely move quickly if you're interested. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the knowledge bombs that are dropped by the returning champion, Suzanne Lyons. I would like to welcome back to the show, Miss Suzanne Lyons. Thank you so much for coming back, Suzanne. Oh well, thank you for having me, Alex. It was <laughs> that's great. I'm you to be back. <laughs> you are only the second guest in over a hundred episodes to be asked back to the show. Oh my God, thank you. I feel privileged, and, and it being my birthday today, that's right. I feel happy, like this is a lovely birthday. Gift. Happy birthday! <laughs> you look fantastic thank for twenty. You, you look fantastic you. for twenty five. Oh, thank so. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to bring. so i wanted to bring you back because um you know your last episode which was one of the probably the first i think it was episode 11 of uh of the podcast so many people have talked to to me about it and so many i know people a lot of people have reached out to you about that episode um because of so like people really really loved it and you had so much amazing information uh, mm-hmm. that people were just soaking it all up like a sponge. So I wanted to come back, have, have you come back a little bit so I can introduce you again to all the new listeners since then. It's grown a little bit since back then. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then also kind of go over some new stuff that we didn't go over last time. So are, are you ready, my dear? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Just don't ask me any, you know, hard questions like calculus or not great no, with calculus. No, I, I, no, don't worry. Times about table, that. terrible with the times table. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so, um, can you discuss a little bit about how you option a screenplay? Because I know that's a question a lot of people, indie filmmakers, have when they don't have a screenplay. What do you actually do? What's the process in general? Yeah, and the process is really 
important to note that we have to option a screenplay because so many times, just to give you a little bit of background, Alex, so many times people assume that they don't need paperwork. Oh, Suzanne, they say to me, you know, uh, yes, I'm a producer, but you know, I'm the creative type. I'm really not about the paperwork. Alex, honest to God, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said that to me, <laughs> I'd be a millionaire. I swear to God, it's, it's on candy. There's no other industry in the world that people would talk like that. You know, right. <laughs> it's like, I'd like to sell you some of my land, Alex, but you know, let's not bother with the paperwork. Let's just, you know, do a handshake. I mean, there's no place, no industry, but in this industry, for some reason, well, we're the creative types, you know, we don't get into the business part of it. And I've actually had one of my friends who did not do any of my workshops um, in the past call me from France one time um, and, you know, crying on the phone about a movie that she had done a couple years ago. Now sales agents were interested in it. And I said, oh, you're, you're crying because you're happy. She said, no, I'm crying because uh, they asked me for the um, chain of title. You know, if, if, you know, based on the option agreement and then, you know, the transfer of the option and, and the chain of title to the movie and so on. And she said, I don't have that. And I said, oh, I said, you didn't do that. And she said, no, I didn't do I didn't even do the option agreement. <laughs> and I said, well, did you call the writer? And, you know, I know it's two years later. And she said, I did. And the writer said that she had had a fight in the interim with the director. And as far as she was concerned, the movie could burn in hell. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. So and and I was thinking. <laughs> Let, please tell me that was your own money, you know, that you raised that money on. No, no, I have investors. And I'm thinking, you know what? If it was her own Visa cards, I don't care. Uh-huh. If it's investors, that's what well, this is a business. You know, the word, you know, business is twice as big as the word show, mm -hmm. show business, you know? Yeah. I, I, by the way, I've stolen that line. I've used it multiple times on the show. So thank you. I always give you credit, but thank you. Oh, thank you. But I mean, it's crazy, doesn't it? And uh, and so, you know, here she was with this movie and with investors to pay back and it will never, ever see the light of day because she didn't do the first most important thing is the option agreement. You've got to get the paperwork, get the paperwork, get the paperwork, get the paperwork done. And people would say, well, Suzanne, you know, she was my best friend mm -mm. or, you know, <laughs> it was, it was my, it was family. It was my cousin. I don't care if it's your mom, get mm -hmm. the paperwork. Now, um, let, me, let me ask you a question. So, um, so let's say there's a, 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 a script that's been, you know, written and then they, when the, and it's written together with the director, let's say the writer and the director are kind of working together on it, but the writer, the writer is going to be the one that gets the copyright on it. Uh, they send in the copyright to the copyright office, but yeah. they copyright it to the LLC. So the LLC that they put together owns that property. Is that the right way? Is that the right chain of command? Or try to title? You're saying that the writer uh, has has an LLC? Usually a writer no. does. No, 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 no. The movie. So the movie's been produced. Yes. The yes. movie has an LLC. The writer has yes. now copywritten the screenplay to yes. the LLC because the writer's part of the process. He's a producer no, as well. No, no, the writer hasn't done that. The, the writer's done the initial option. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to the show. Right. I mean, sort of the initial copyright, right? Well, the initial copyright, is, the, the, the only copyright that exists is to the LLC. So no, the, no, 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 the, no. The writer probably did. A, a lot of writers do a copyright, you know, of their screenplay or they should. Um, not all of them do. And if they don't, then usually then, you know, once I like, for example, in one of the cases on one of my projects, the writers had not done that. And I think two different cases in 12 films where the writer had not done that. And uh, so I just went ahead and put it under directly under the LLC. Mm-hmm. But most writers know enough uh, to do their own copyright. They should. You know, no, no, because- but, so, but, but what I'm saying is that in this scenario that I'm telling you, the writer is also a producer on the movie and is part owners of the LLC that made the movie. Then when they – after the fact, after the movie was made, they're like, oh, we should copyright this screenplay. That screenplay then, he went in and copyrighted underneath that LLC that they jointly own. So that's the only copyright that is available for that screenplay. It's to the LLC that made the movie. Is that the proper chain of title is what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. What's going to happen is you're going to have an option agreement. And the option agreement would give give me... Uh, or you, let's say you are the writer, you know, you, you got to switch hats. I wouldn't use the word writer again. I, I would switch it to, even if it's you, Alex, mm-hmm. you were the writer and the director and the producer, but let's move the word over to producer because sure. the minute signed, you know, you're, it's the, it's, that's why when you, that's why it's confusing mm-hmm. is when you say, then the writer's going to put it under the LLC. No, the writer the is now becoming the producer. It's years, it's months and maybe years later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Since you've written that script, even if it's your own script, you still have to have the option agreement because you're going to need it for delivery for your sales agents when the time comes, right? Got it. As part of, here's the scary part, as part of that option agreement, there's many times inside that option agreement, I promise you, um, and I had this very problem (laughs) uh, years ago on one of the projects, um, there was no page attached to it, exhibit B or or assignment B or assignment A or whatever, um, that said the transfer could happen. Uh, Honestly, I've read many option agreements that did not have that page in it. So if that is not, if that paragraph page is not there, for the love of God, make sure you attach one. Uh, and, and it's actually in my book, and I teach it in my classes too. I very strongly teach it because I have made that mistake. And this was when I had an attorney on board. This was an early film when I actually had an attorney who gave me this uh, option agreement, and there was no transfer page attached to it. 
So you've got that tra- and that transfer page is very important because you also your delivery, uh, it's going to be on your delivery list as well. It'll have to be stapled to, um, you know, to the option agreement. And sometimes that delivery page is stapled to the copyright form that you've gotten back from the government. So what will happen is when you get that, when that is signed mm-hmm. uh, early on, you know, and now it's a year later, you've raised the money, you're making your movie and so on, um, then... Um, then what will happen is um, is you now have the right. You've paid the purchase price. It's only when you've paid the purchase price. It's not when you make the option. Because let's say you spend $10 for 18 months on an option. Mm-hmm. But let's say the writer is going to be making 10000 you know, when you're making the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's only when you pay the full purchase price that you now, the LLC, I'm talking you, the producer, mm-hmm. even if still you, the writer, but mm-hmm. let's switch so people aren't confused. So now you, the producer, uh, owner of the LLC, whatever the name of the movie is a lot of mm-hmm. the times, you know, mm-hmm. Candy Stripers LLC, in my mm-hmm. case, for example, uh, then you uh, get to uh, use that transfer page and you send it, send off the um, the copyright. It's not like it used to be. It's actually, a, it's actually called a transfer copyright you go online you still go on to the same you know same place and on copyright but it's actually a little different form now i just did it for time toys the movie i shot in the past year and uh and i was surprised to find it is a bit of a different form uh still only you know 40 or 50 or 60 bucks it's not a big deal but it's a different form and it what what that transfer page is showing is that you uh, the minute you get your purchase price amount of five thousand or ten thousand or sixty thousand or whatever mm-hmm. we're paying you mm-hmm. uh, as the writer, um, then that gives me the producer owning the LLC the right to then send it back in to Washington. And but in, in the author section, the author section won't say Alex anymore, right? Mm-hmm. The author section will now say, you know, Candy Stripers, comma LLC. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. okay. Perfect. Perfect. So now can you talk a little bit about business plans and why, why do you need a business plan if you're trying to raise money for a movie? Uh, yes, I will in a second, but let's just finish the copyright oh, for one. Okay. Second. So no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, there's one more piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen next is right now what's happening on time toys is we're delivering, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things on the delivery item, and I spoke with my co-partner yesterday, and it was his first time producing, um, my co-producer on this, and he's also the writer-director. And because uh, what's what's due is the copyright report. And what he said to me on the phone yesterday is, well, Suzanne, you know, isn't that just the paperwork that we did on the transfer and so on? And that information, you know, from Washington, you know, that came back. And I said, no, it's not. A copyright report um, is something where you hire an attorney who does that. Like I use Dennis Angel's company in New York, for example. Mm-hmm. It's around six hundred and fifty dollars or whatever. Unfortunately, that's why you've got to save money in your in your budget because now a year later, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly a year later, um, and that copyright report is then the attorney going online to make sure that yes, this was all done. This happened. You know, the, it was a clear copyright. There are no other copyrights under this thing. There's no liens against it. There's no issues with it, and so on and so on. So I just want to point that out that. You know, a year after the movie, when you're delivering or whenever that happens to be, you know, that you will need a copyright report showing that there is indeed a copyright. Interesting. You see, this is all the kind of stuff that they don't teach you in film school <laughs> yeah. or they don't, or you don't learn until you go through the process at least once. 
Because, That's right. And sometimes the painful way of, oh my God. I I'm like, what? That. I didn't know that. What? So, <laughs> what do you mean I can't release my movie that I just spent a year and a half putting together? Why? Because of a piece of paper that I didn't get? Oh my God. So it's, right. it's, it's all, yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. need to get all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Back. Lots of crazy stuff. So let's, so with the business plan, mm-hmm. the reason for the business plan is, um, is because a lot of the times, a couple of reasons. One, sometimes you start with a business plan that doesn't have any uh, PPM LLC operating agreement, none of that kind of legal stuff in it, uh, saying that you know you're you know that you're fifty percent owner as an investor and you're going to be getting you know one hundred and ten percent back and da 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 da. It's sometimes just the business plan. Uh, you know, I've done one, let's say for Oma the Camel, where it might be some pieces, you know, some some great um, artwork. Uh, that we had done, you know, for the animation for that, uh, you know, that Christmas, uh, you know, feature, animated feature. Um, I, the bios on the people that are involved, you know, they're impressive. The writer, you know, director and producers um, kind of, you know, maybe a, a whole page on uh, the demographic and the direction it's going to go from a marketing point of view. A lot of times it's uh, showing other, you know, movies in this case, you know, Christmas animated specials and features that have done well, compare movie comparisons, mm-hmm. kind of your project objective, you know, what the point of doing this is. Maybe it's going to be the first of a slate of Christmas projects that you're going to be doing in the animation world. Um you know, things like that. So it's really kind of about that marketing plan that people do in other businesses, you know, mm-hmm. your cookie business, have, uh, gourmet business, whatever. Sure. Every business you do a marketing plan. What usually mine are for is I usually do mine in addition to the, you know, that, that um, little packet that I do for, with my PPM and my operating agreement and my subscription agreement in it for the investor. So it's usually, I don't usually bother doing two separate ones. I usually make it all one packet. The minute I have my LLC, you know, from the state of California, uh, you know, with the name of the movie or whatever I've decided to call the LLC, you know, um, Candy Stripers, you know, mm-hmm. comma LLC, then I'm legally able to go out and start, uh, you know, raising the money, uh, you know, uh, they're called shares or units or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then I've kind of sorted that out in advance. Then I got I do up my PPM, my operating agreement my subscription agreement. And then I can go to you and say, Alex, you know, I'm raising these units of 7,500. You know, my budget's going to be 225,000. It's SAG ultra low or whatever it happens to be. And, um, or my units are 3000 and my budget is 50,000 and whatever. Um, so, uh, usually I'll include my business plan. I'll put that page in there as well, showing you what you're getting, Alex, for doing that. You know, you're going to be getting as an investor, you know, 120%, um, you know, with a corridor of 90-10, you know, so that as the money comes in, you, the investors, will get 90%. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And now back to the show. You know, I'll be getting as the producer 10% until you reach your full 120, and then we become 50-50 partners, you know, for the next five years or 10 years or however big the budget is. Sometimes I don't keep it open too awfully long if I'm not raising a lot of money per, from each person mm-hmm. because I don't want to be – there's cost involved, especially in California. It's $800 a year. Uh, to have an LLC, and there's uh, of your obviously your accountant. You know your accountant's four or five hundred dollars. Even if you do your own accounting, he still has to do your K one. So if I've got thirty K ones, because I've got you know seven thousand five hundred dollars from thirty people, you know those K ones are going to cost me money to do. I can't do those on my own. That's definitely got to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be putting out money if it's an ongoing open LLC. So I close it after a certain amount of time. Most of the money for a film comes in. In the first two years anyway, believe me, your sales agent has lost interest by then. <laughs> right. uh, sure. He's gone to six markets. Usually they only bother with three and then you're on a back burner somewhere forever. Um, so most of the money's coming in in that first, you know, one or two years. But I usually leave the LLC open for five years, if it's, you know, depending on the budget. Now, after so after you close the LLC, let's say obviously money will still hopefully come in or some new distribution uh, revenue stream would come up. Like, you know, all of a sudden Netflix allows you to upload directly uh, and they're paying 5000 a picture or something like that or whatever the new revenue stream might be. Uh, what happens then? Do you just transfer everything over to your core production yep. company? I did. That's exactly what I would do. I haven't t- been so lucky as you know to do what you just mentioned. <laughs> I, mean, I, have that I wish. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of yeah, <laughs> really. Um, uh, but nowadays things are a little different. You know, with self distribution, there could be ongoing money coming in, and so on and so on. And like you mentioned, Netflix and all of those. Um, so uh, yes, I would turn that over to the core because that that bank account is open constantly. That you know, my Snowfall Films account has been around for you know since '98 or whatever, and uh, that corporation is every year. Um, you know, so I would I would do that for sure. Now, can Absolutely. you talk a little bit about uh, what's the importance of opening up? We keep talking about LLC. What is the importance of opening up an LLC for your film specifically, not a production company LLC? What's the difference, and why would you open up an LLC per film? I would open an LLC per film just because you don't want your umbrella company. You don't want Snowfall Films, just like Disney and, and all of those companies. You know, you think, oh, well, that's a Disney film. Not really, because even Disney will have taken out every single film under a different entity, you know, yeah. um, because you do, if there is a lawsuit against, let's say, Candy Stripers, for example, um, then, um, you know, you don't want that affecting your overall company. Uh, of snowfall films and and shutting things down and having liens against your overall company and then you're you know paralyzed for the next five years in terms of making any films whatsoever. Mm-hmm. What it does is it just affects Candy Stripers LLC. Period. 
So it's been, so it's a safety net. It's a safety net to protect you, the filmmaker slash producer, against anything that might happen to it. So if someone slips and falls on the set, they're not suing the mother company. They're going to only be able to sue the LLC because that's the company creating the movie. Exactly. And I believe, and we can check, you know, with an attorney because laws are changing all the time. I can't go out and raise money uh, under my corporation for those individual movies either. As Mm -hmm. far as I know, that might've changed, but I remember at the time asking that question to my attorney, uh, when Kate and I were doing those, those early movies and he was saying, no, no, as a corporation, you know, you can't be raising money for those individual entities. That has to be a separate entity. And they had to be called an LLC, you know. It depends on which country you're in, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like a corporation in Canada, um, I believe you can do both. You know, you still want to have a separate one for your movie, but you can still raise money, as far as I know, under a corporation. There is no LLC in Canada. In the U.K., it's a different entity, too. I remember when we did movies in the U.K., I think it was called an LTD or whatever. So, you know, and you were able to have that as an umbrella and still open entities uh, to raise money. So you could do both. But in the States, I believe you can't raise money under the corporation. I think it's under the LLCs. But that's I'm not positive of that because, like I said, we need to ask a question to the attorney because laws change so much. Now, have you ever crowdfunded? Uh, No, I never did. I tried one time uh, for Omar the Camel. I was going to do that just to kind of raise that initial uh, money to mm-hmm. help get things more off the ground because it's very, that one was costly when you're doing, you know, animation, a feature animation. And uh, I mean, just the end, just getting the, the, the development alone was costing a fortune, just seeing a lot of those pictures done. Cause it's a different kind of business plan. You know, you mm-hmm. want, it's much more visual, um, for the investors. And, uh, but I found it was so time consuming. It was so early on. That was back when crowdfunding literally was just starting right. that, uh, I found it just very difficult. If I were, I, I could probably go back and try it again, uh, because people have been, you know, successful. There's ways to do it mm-hmm. now. I mean, no, absolutely about it, but, uh, no, I've never done that, but it's nice because it doesn't conflict with your investors because it's a, do- it's called a donation. It's not called an investment. So mm-hmm. it doesn't affect if you're still wanting to go to investors to raise the majority of your, of your money, then that's great. You know, uh, I think, I think we have to be very, very, very smart these days, uh, about all of that, because it's no longer just about the demographic. That's the only word we used years ago. I used to work in promotions for a TV network for years in my early years. And the only word used was demographic. And that's, you would promote to that demographic, you know, 18 to 24 men or whatever it happened to be, right. Mm -hmm. Or children, you know, six to 10 or something. Um, now it's all about the psychographics as well. You know, when we were doing time toys, we started early on. I went to the writer who was also the writer and the director and the producer. And I said to Mark, let's look at the script now and see what we can do to make sure that psychographics are 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 there that we can reach out and I had learned this uh you know from uh, another I'm with vocal press and there was another writer with vocal press uh, where his book was about uh, this very thing you know it's not just about the crowdfunding but how do you do the crowdsourcing mm-hmm. you know crowdfunding means nothing if you're not the you know very very intelligent about crowdsourcing. And that's mm-hmm. where this whole psychographic comes in. And what, uh, what, you know, I was learning from reading parts of his book, uh, cause I had to, you know, which we do for each other at, um, you know, at focal press mm-hmm. is, um, 
is that people were literally being very smart uh, about the script early on, not waiting till it was, you know, sh being shot or, or afterwards going, oh, shit, why didn't I do that? Like, for example, in one of the chapters, he talked about this script uh, that was, you know, that they were looking at seriously in terms of making sure that they had enough <laughs> different uh, arms of kind of the octopus, let's say, to go to when the movie was done, right, online, because mm -hmm. it's all about online. And they made one of their characters a vegan. And they started the whole thing online, that whole discussion about how this script was going to have a raw vegan character. And they ended up getting a couple hundred thousand, you know, people, you know, blogging about this script that was not even in production yet. This was months prior mm -hmm. that, had, that that from the vegan community, for God's sakes. Right. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. So can you imagine if you had like, you know, 10 different arms, you know, reaching out to all the different online entities um, where, it, you know, because I remember when I was working at uh, on um, a World War One movie that I have uh, about, you know, the spies and they were children, actually, that had served as spies because all the men were on the front lines back then. And I was doing the movie with uh, Empower Pictures at the time. Uh, we were working on it together in development anyways it, and ended up going off into a different direction. But I remember sitting with them, and this is before I had even read this section of that book, you know, years later. This was like back in 2012 with Empower. And their attorney was sitting there going, okay, now what, you know, what's, you know, where does it reach? What's the demographics and what are the psychographics? And I said, well, it's kind of like Stand By Me. It'll be for, for, for you know, for, for young people. Obviously, it's teenagers. It's about teenagers and, and it'll be teenagers in the movie. But it's also kind of a family film. So I was very limited in my mm -hmm. thinking. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, Suzanne. Yes, 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 but no. It's, what are what are the other you know areas? And I said, well, I don't understand. And honest to God, I really didn't understand. And he was there. What about veterans? This is World War. You know, it's a world. It's a war movie, right? Mm -hmm, and I said, yeah, mm -hmm. it actually takes place in World. Okay, so there's the veterans. Okay, what else? And he kept pushing us in the in that boardroom that day for all of us to brainstorm. Who are those other entities? Niche, niches, be, little niches of of people, oh subcultures, God. yeah. And, Moms, you know, because it's, uh, you know, it's about the moms worrying about their sons being at the war, too. And in this case, the children being at war, uh, you mm -hmm. know, on the front lines. So how do we reach those moms? And, 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 and like all of a sudden, we had like 10 different entities in addition to my limited thinking of, you know, kids 6 to 10 or whatever. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Um, or, you know, kids 12 to, to 18. Like all of a sudden it became all these different areas that we could then start tapping into now. If, for example, if we had continued on with, with that particular project that you could have started tapping into online. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now back to the show. You know, start, you know, talking to the veterans, talking to or whatever about this was going to be, you know, being, being brought out. And, and, and I could have been. Anyways, it was a fascinating thing. But I realized how, you know, when we stay in that kind of creative box for ourselves and don't think inside the business world, you know, we become limited. And then all of a sudden it's time to, you know, to start selling it to, to your sales agents and distributors. And it's like, you've boxed yourself in, you know, to, to, you know, uh, to, to, uh, to, an, uh, to, to a smaller area for them to sell to mm-hmm. when you could have had them banging on your door, because guess what? You know, I've got, you know, you know, 40,000 fans already in Japan because we've done such and such, or we've added, or, or the vegan character, 200,000 in America mm-hmm. that are already itching to see the movie. You know, you'll have distributors and sales agents banging on your door as opposed to you having to go to them. Or if you're self-distributing, God, all the better, because then you've got a whole, you know, entity to uh, to sell to so just kind of those types of things that I think we have to be so much more privy to. It's not just about having the name, although that is still of major importance, mm-hmm. which nobody gets. Nobody gets that still. Shockingly, mm-hmm. you still have to have the name in your movie. You still have to talk to sales agents at the beginning, the minute you option your screenplay and start development. You start talking to sales agents. Go to AFM. Go to markets. Get on the phone with sales agents. Become friends with them. Now find out. You know, I'm looking to put in, you know, uh, this particular actor in my movie because it's got a sci-fi bend to it. And I'd like to put in, you know, uh, this sci-fi kind of actor. Is that enough? You know, given my budget's 900000 right. Right, right, you know, right. And they'll say no. You know what? His name at a 200000 you know, a SAG Ultra Low 250 would be fine. But at the SAG Modified, you know what? You got at, at 900000 you know, with all these minorities you're putting in there. And this is great. But you still need that other name. You know, that he's great for the feature name, but you still need the TV name. You know, somebody from the TV sci-fi world, uh, because, you know, we sell mostly in foreign. It's mostly television, right? For domestic, we kind of think more yeah. for, more. Feature. So that was that was the thing when we were having coffee the other day. It was it was interesting for you to say that that TV actors are a, a lot of times much bigger deals overseas than movie stars yeah. here in the States, purely because those TV shows are in constant rotation throughout yeah. throughout uh, these other territories. So that's uh, case in point, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> but, there you, go. you know, but so we laugh. He's laughing all the way to the bank. But yeah. but I mean, him and and a Pamela Anderson and those people from Baywatch, they had yeah. overseas because it was the biggest television show of all time. They could sell yeah. all day. I know I know actors like Michael Pare. Um, who's a really great actor. He did a few movies. Uh, he's over there all the time. Uh, Richard Tyson, anyone who has had these uh, these TV shows. And of course, like in the sci-fi world, anyone who's ever been on a Star Trek show or Stargate or any of these things that they're just constantly rotating have, have a lot of value. And you can 
affordably get them here in the States. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, that's, that's the thing is you've got to be thinking business all the time, you know, so you can't, I, I, I talk to people say, well, you know, I finished my movie. Now I'm going to start talking to sales agents. And I'm thinking you're just now talking to sales agents. You didn't talk to them a year ago, mm-hmm. like a year ago, you didn't start forming relationships then and finding out if those stars are big enough for that budget size. Like, Come on, guys. I, yeah. Once again, I say to my students and, you know, because I, I teach the class, I haven't a chance to teach in almost six years, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, I've been busy. I did four movies in the past five years. But, um, you know, what I say is if it's your visa, I don't give a shit. Honest to God, you blow whatever you want. If it's your own money, do whatever you want. I don't care. Nobody cares, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you are even investing, you know, have one investor, if it's your dad, you know what? You owe that person the the uh, everything mm-hmm. to be a business person. You know, you are a business person, and you therefore start thinking like a business. What I tell people, even when I spoke at Hal's class recently, screenwriting you, uh, it's all writers in the room, and I have the very same conversation with them as I do with somebody like you, Alex, who's mm-hmm. a producer. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you don't get the right to not think like a business person. Everyone, I don't care if you're the makeup artist, you are the president and CEO of your company. Mm-hmm. And when you take that on, when you take that on, all of a sudden you start thinking differently, you sit differently, your posture is different, your language is different, your speaking is different, how you dress is different. You know, this is a business. You know, it would be as insane, and I think I talked talked about this on the last podcast I did with you as me saying to you, you know, Alex, I've always wanted to be a heart surgeon, you know, now I've never done any courses, Alex, but I have a really good knife. Okay. I've got a good, (laughs) I haven't had the chance to get it sharpened yet, but it's really comfortable. I feel good with it. And Alex, I I, I don't, I hope you don't mind, but I'd like to, you know, practice on you a little bit if that's okay. I don't have any anesthesia. Or, or whatever, but you know, I'm just learning as I'm going along. Hope that's all right with you. I mean, you're laughing because it's, it's insane. It's absolutely, right? it's absolutely insane. But you know what? And and me being in post for twenty odd years, oh, I've okay. seen, I've seen so many of those. Oh, I think I lost you. Are, are you there? Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Anyways. So no, 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 no. I, I, I see so many of those through <laughs> my course of work in post production that it's insane. Like all these people, like you, just kind of like. Yeah, like uh, it's the only industry that people do that. <laughs> yeah, I really? know it's like crazy. And like I talked to somebody who called and said, "I finished my movie. I'm really proud of it. You know, it was only seventy five thousand, and you know, the units were five thousand each. So I had some lots of friends and family and some neighbors, and everybody contributed. It's great. It looks really great. But Suzanne, I'm having a really hard time getting a sales agent. You know, and I'm going, and they said, so I know you know everybody. You know, I'd love some advice from you, and who should I go to? Given, you know, it's here's the genre of it, and I'll go first of all. You know, who's in it? You know, who, who's the name? Because it's of absolutely no value if there's no name. You know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and they go, oh no, nobody. You know, nobody. But but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, you know what? And look, unfortunately, unfortunately, the reality, I know that's hilarious, but I've heard that many times. Unfortunately, the realities of the industry, as they, as you know, as well as I do, is that there's so much product out there that there's a few ways that you can stand out that you have to. One is insane quality, which is basically maybe five or 10 movies a year that are so good with nobody, no names in it, that it, yeah. it just 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 transcends 
and yeah. completely blows out of the water. There's maybe five or ten movies, all period throughout the period. Through, period. And those are the movies yeah. that do get picked up by festivals that do get mm-hmm. a lot of spotlight and all of right. that kind of stuff. There's that way. There's the other yeah. way of casting someone who is an actor yeah. of name of some sort of name that has some sort of market value that because yeah. their name is on or their face is on the cover of the poster people exactly. go oh i know him let me go over there because there's just so much dilution or another yeah. way is genre which is becoming less and less but still genre is genre horror movie doesn't need as much names anymore though that has changed a little bit because there's so many horror movies action yeah. movies travel very well they'll need specific yeah. names but of course you throw in a Michael Madsen, that helps. That's right. <laughs> you still need some. That's what they'll tell you. You still need somebody for the, you know, for for that poster, you know, or whatever. And even years ago, they'd say if it's a giant spider for a horror movie, then right. the giant spider is enough. Now, what they're saying is, yeah, the giant spider is great, but I still need another name. I still need a picture on that poster. Shark- you know? Sharknado is not going to do it all by itself. <laughs> And you're right. Certain, you know, um, cert- there are certain movies where, you know, they go more the festival route because they were done more of an art house. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the name. It was about the phenomenal story and the phenomenal writing and the phenomenal directing. And there's a few of those pop up, like you said, every year. But I would not count on it. You know, well, but- if you think you've got those and you want to spend your next year going to festivals and praying that's great and hoping but i don't know to me hope is is not the word that i use frequently in this in a business in a business you can't use the word hope that's nice but it's a nice and i don't want to take it away from anybody but i used to even in flash forward that month-long course that i did for years heidi and i uh we you were not allowed to use the word hope for the entire month of that course by the way well like and and there's the other one the other way of making a movie that i I didn't mention before is what we did with this is meg is keep the budget so you know to a level that is so affordable that one you could self-distribute it yourself and make your money back or be profitable um, or two, you can kind of just ride the wave a little bit and see what happens. Yeah, there's yeah. no pressure. There's no stress. There's no investors. But you have to be able to achieve a high, a high enough quality product to make, for that to make sense as opposed to just grabbing your iPhone and going out and make a movie. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, back to the show. But there are, yeah. but there, there, that's another route of going about it. And if by that, and we were I, lucky enough to have wonderful names involved as well, which helps. Uh, but yes. but you could, yeah. but it could easily yeah. been done with a bunch of just really talented actors, and we could have gone down that path as well. That's right, and and there and you can do that now. See, you know, because the technology is so available nowadays, you can shoot with your iPhone. You know that even a few years ago, that Tangerine, yeah, yeah, Tangerine, Sean Sean Baker shot, but he's, I mean, he, that was his fourth film. And yeah. he knew what he was doing. And it was, you know, he, he basically pushed that phone yeah. and the image quality to the umph degree. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like he yeah. just literally pulled it out of his pocket and started shooting. He had lens adapters yeah. and everything. But that's what people don't understand. But you can do it. And he did it specifically for look, 
for feeling for the the, right. the texture that he wanted as an artist. So it's mm-hmm. definitely able. You can have definitely able to do it. And I want to just share one note. You were talking about stars. I I posted a movie a while ago. It was a sci-fi movie. Sci-fi bend on it, and no stars. They okay. finished it. Went out to the marketplace. Everyone said exactly what you just said. Who's in it? No one's in it. Don't want it. So basically, and they had already spent, it was probably like a $300,000 movie, let's say, okay. about two fifty, three hundred. So what they did is they went back, got one sci-fi TV show name yeah. for five grand, got one yeah. movie star name yeah. for about eight grand, yeah. and uh, they both worked for a day each. My God. They re-edited it. I had to recolor grade and refinish the movie for them. They went back out, and guess what happened, Suzanne? What? what? They sold it. because they basically said oh my god we're screwed so they literally recasted parts that were already filmed by another actor and replaced them with the with the name actor because they had to yeah i hear you but but here's the thing we don't want to do that you know i mean it could have been so much wasted time and money yeah exactly and that's why if you start if you put the business hat on now at the early stage you know then even when you're reading here's the other thing is i'm I, I'm a, I've been, I've read, I don't know, about, let's say hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scripts, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I get emotionally involved in the scripts and I know I'm not a coverage person and I'm certainly not an international coverage person. So even though I'm a producer and I think I'm pretty good at reading, mm-hmm. um, scripts, I still hire Every single time, you two 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 people. When I do more for film and the other for television series, um, same two gals I use all the time. I swear by them. Um, I still have somebody do the coverage because you know. Once again, I get involved creatively, and I'm thinking, "Whoa, slow down, girl. Step back. You're a business person as well." I'm not saying don't wear the business the, the creative hat. I still do. I still read the script and and do my notes. But I also send it to the coverage person. They're they're an international coverage person. They work for you know a lot of companies around the world. So they're reading in a different way without any uh, attachment, without any emotion, without any involvement, without any agenda at all other than to do coverage, right? So uh, even in that case, I, I kind of st- take a step back and stand in my business shoes. So in every aspect, Alex, you know, I really look at it. You've got to be careful because we're here because we're creative. We're all in this industry because we're creative. So we can get so caught up in that, like your friends did early on, you know, with mm-hmm. their movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was a great, probably great movie, great script, and it just didn't have names. So it's like, oh, shit. You know, what, are you what do I need to do now? Yeah, I need, I, need, I need to sell this. So what, am, what do I need to do to sell this? I'll yeah. go get some actors that will hopefully put right. them on the cover and I can make some money now. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think early, you know. So let's talk about casting and, and actors a little bit. Now, how do you cast an independent film? Do you use casting directors? Do you go direct? How do you do it? It depends on the project and on the budget size. But even in the early days when our budgets were between 5 and $10 million, right? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, back then, which is beyond was, most people listening to this podcast, right? But that was my first, my in my first film was one of those, right? I mean, right. that's 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 what films were. Well, it was a different then, time. A it was a different time. Time to you know, a lot of them were one point eight. You know, ours was it started at about one point eight, but then it ended up you know getting some great actors and that sort of thing. So it kind of took on its own life in a sense, um, and it ended up being around you know around four 
hundred, you know, about four million five hundred away. I mean, close to the five. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, but still, here's the thing: we didn't. Kate and I didn't have any money um, for those early films. So we did the casting ourselves of the main roles. You know, all the main roles, <clears throat> and uh, you know, and back then those were big. That was you know Naomi Watts and <clears throat> Chris Walken and Brenda Blethyn and Alfred Molina. Mm-hmm. We didn't really know what we were doing, but we were business women. I've been VP of marketing for a TV network. Kate was a um, stockbroker for many years. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, we, we weren't, you know, what's called a guy in a diner, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, came well, guy, guy in a Starbucks, guy in a Starbucks now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we kind of had the, our business, we were, you know, uh, certainly, you know, wearing our business hats very well when we were on the phone. Cause that was CAA and ICM. We're, we're, we're talking, you know, <laughs> no, those, those actors are, they're still big, but you back then they were even bigger. You know, they were very big, yeah. And and I started, and I was very honest with them. And back then, see, don't forget, different time though. Don't forget, those were called co-productions back then. So the UK, you know, get about forty percent of your budget from the UK, and and uh, if you were doing Canadian UK, you'd get probably thirty percent from Canada, and then everyone used Lou Horowitz, you'd get ten percent. What was called Gap back then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even know if people do that anymore. And then don't forget there were pre-sales. So everybody, including the agents and managers, understood that world back in the '90s and the early 2000s, where there were this thing, this wonderful thing called pre-sales, big Mm -hmm. pre-sales. You know, we'd sold Germany for five hundred thousand in advance, based on those couple of names, those early two two names. You know. Mm -hmm. Now, so so, and just to 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 go back for a little bit, so for people to understand what a pre-sale is is basically yeah. a, a, a country saying, hey, uh, we're going to give you 500000 because we trust you that you're going to deliver a movie yeah. to us with these stars yeah. in X time. Right. That's right, yes. And it was with those stars. And see, that's the thing, is that's not the way it's done anymore, right? So back then, the you know, the the the, the big guys at, at ICM and, and William Morris and, and, you know, Endeavor and so on back then, um, they would say, um, you know, they understood that we needed their name to sell the pre-sell the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we did 1.8 million in pre-sales on my first movie, right? Mm-hmm. Then what you do is then you match it. You know, then you go to your investors and say, "I've got 1.8 million." Um, you know, we're getting 80% of that because of pre-sales or whatever. You know, from the bank and and so on. And there were big countries. Actually, it was the U.S. It was uh, the, I believe it was Australia. It was the um, Germany. I mean, they were all good, solid countries and good, solid distributors at the time, and so on. The first one being Miramax, you know, Mm -hmm. so they were, it was all very solid. That's when you can then go back to your investors who you're also, you know, you're, you're also, you know, trying to get those investors in the interim while you're out there selling, but then you can go back with some solid, you know, here's what we need to do now is we need to match it plus whatever, Mm -hmm. um, plus the bank gap, you know, for 10% and so on and so on. But, um, that was the way it was done. So they, so you, you literally used, uh, those names and they knew it. Chris Walken knew it, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm. had to use that name to help with the pre-sales. His agent knew it. It was it was not like it was not uh, an offensive thing. It was the way that business was done. You know, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's the way that it was done, um, because you, you know, everybody raised a good portion of their funding in advance based on the names in the indie world. Well, probably even in, in the studio world, I would guess too. <laughs> but those uh, days, those days are, are, are gone, aren't they? Those are gone. Yeah. They, those ended, you know, 2004, 2005, you know, uh, the UK shut down, you know, in 2004 as we knew it. And that was a very big 
place for all of us as, you know, a lot of us anyways, as indie producers. And I remember the day they shut down, we had two movies that were going in Australia, UK, uh, um, Australian co co productions, and one was in soft prep. Thank God we weren't in pre or principal. Many were, but twenty nine movies shut down that day. You know, in October wow. two thousand four. So I mean, the world shut down that day. But I just remember Australia because we had a movie there. That's all. But um, I can you if you added no. up the rest, of the, I can't even imagine. Can you so can, our, can you talk real quick about soft prep since you just brought that up? Just real quickly, what soft prep is, so people understand what that means. Yeah. Okay, good. So a soft prep is uh, usually in my world, the independent world, because my budgets have gone from 200,000. I've done a lot of the SAG Ultra Low. I love SAG Ultra Low, SAG Modified. I'm just absolutely think it's just fantastic. We're going to talk about SAG in a minute because I want to definitely get into that. Love it. Love it. Um, And it's so doable now with the digital cameras and and all of that. We can do, oh God, visual effects. Oh my God, you should see time. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Soft prep, soft prep. (laughs) So exciting. Um, Anyways, uh, Sorry, so soft prep. So here's the thing. You know how they say the lower the budget, Mm -hmm. the longer the prep, right? Mm -hmm. Well, sorry, we don't get that luxury. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So, you know, all I'm going to really have time for on a SAG Ultra Low is three weeks of pre-production, maybe a SAG modified four weeks of pre-production, right? No, mm-hmm. these are not in the millions here. Mm-hmm. These are 700000 or 250000 mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, I, I can't do that. I would not be able to sleep. I'd have a nervous breakdown, you know, if I had to do my casting. And I'll get back to the casting in a sec, too. Uh, if I had to do my locations, if I had, you know, to work on the budget and the schedule with my line producer, if my line producer had to, you know, do all the keys, you know, 16 keys during that time, we'd all have nervous breakdowns. So my soft prep is at least four weeks prior to pre-production. I, I make a promise in my PPM or operating agreement, can't remember which, to my investors that no money will be spent until the first day of a solid pre-production, you know, mm-hmm. that three weeks when we move into an actual production office, those three weeks of pre-production, if it's a uh, say uh, ultra low, for example. Uh, but prior to that, I have my four weeks where everything is done for free, you know, um, because if I, if on that budget, I would definitely be doing the casting, all of the casting myself. You know, maybe I'd have a casting assistant who wants the title casting and she's doing it for 500 bucks, which I'll pay her when the time comes or whatever, you know, when we start pre- principal or pre. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I have my soft prep. And during the soft prep, Mike, you know, at the time who was doing those movies with me as the line producer, he'd be out, uh, you know, with my director looking at locations because probably couldn't afford a location person at the time. Um, and, uh, and then I'd be busy with the casting uh, and we'd be getting a lot of those things done. You know, he'd even be bringing some of the main keys on board. Wouldn't be paying them yet, but he, you know, wouldn't. And location, for example, you know, we booked the motel for Portal. Uh, now we booked it. We didn't give them a deposit we were what was called penciled in mm-hmm. we, we actually did the paperwork we didn't sign it but we said if anything happens you know please call us if somebody comes in if spielberg's coming in and wants your space you know let us know obviously mm-hmm. um but we got the hotel we wanted it was penciled in and on that friday and then come that monday 
I sent the deposit over. Because you, you were now you you were officially in real prep at that point. Exactly. So so my so you know my my director and my line producer were and and my you know a lot of times the first AD because he was working with the director early on too working on the schedule and none of those people were getting paid, and um and my DP of course you know was early on so they were all with us a lot of them were with us during soft prep and that was four weeks which four weeks plus three. I was able to breathe, you know, Mm -hmm. then I promised my line producer that the minute we move into the production office, which was still my office, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. with his people, you know, with his production manager and and their uh, and their assistant, Mm -hmm. that I would be there for him, you know, that those three weeks were about him, you know, hiring the rest of the keys. If you wanted me to sit in on some of the interviews with some of the keys, obviously, I was there for him. I was there to sign the checks. I was there to, you know, do whatever. I still had my jobs to do. I still had to hire my still photographer. And, you know, I was still doing stuff working, you know, with the investors and in terms of getting them involved and who, you know, work sitting at in on all the meetings in terms of schedules and so on. But my goal was to be finished with the big chunks of stuff so we could rest easy. And, you know, I promised him that I would have all my cast deal memos done uh, before we moved into pre-production, that all of it would, and he promised me that all location would be done in terms of in the same thing. So that was kind of what we did during, that's what soft prep to me is so very, very important. And I was very honest with people, just like I am with with on the bigger movies with with those sales with, with those agents it's like i i would call them you know at icm saying i don't have any money but you know some people would hang up on me now what i would do when we moved into principal and some of those movies on the big movies back then is then i would hire the casting directors to then do everybody else but i would bring on those initial four to six big names in Got those it. movies like james Kahn and jean-vierre bougeau and jennifer tilly and um you know um Oh, who else? You know, I mean, any of those kinds of names, I would do all of that on the early ones, Kate and I. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'd share, you know, we split it. And then on the smaller ones, then I did it all myself, except on Time Toys, that was, say, modified, which was a little bigger. And that was dealing with mostly children. And that is not my thing. Um, so that's when we literally did hire early on uh, a. Um, uh, and we did have some fun. We did have funding early on, actually, for for a longer pre-production on this. So we actually hired uh, a, a phenomenal casting director whose sole purpose was, uh, you know, children. Uh, so she did a ton of shows. So let me let. So you start, you brought up SAG. This is a no mystery for a lot of independent filmmakers. Can you talk a little bit about SAG contracts? What's the differences between the low budget options that are available now and how you work with them? Yeah, it, it's pretty much the same. You know, if I'm bringing on somebody, let's say it's a SAG um, uh, ultra low, right? I can't remember what the new one is since Je- uh, July 2nd. The new uh, amounts came in. It used to be 100 a day. I think now it's, I don't know, 135, I think, I think yeah. it's 125, something like that. 125, right. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm going to be used, and if you're doing the SAG ultra low, you can use quite a big percentage of non-SAG as well. Mm-hmm. But I would pay my non-SAG the same as I paid my SAG. Mm-hmm. The only difference is with the non-SAG, you know, if your budget is very low and you're going to be using, let's say you're allowed 40% non-SAG, then I wouldn't be as responsible, for example, wouldn't have to feel as obligated to do, um, you know, let's say if there's a rehearsal time, not that, you know, we'd have rehearsal time probably at that budget level right. um, or wardrobe fittings or um, what's the other one or ADR. 
you know, uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be paying for that for them to come in for half an hour of ADR. I wouldn't with say you don't really have a choice. What I did on in some cases when I <clears throat> knew I didn't have the money <clears throat> with SAG for say wardrobe fittings uh, for some of the bigger actors, I would say, OK, you know what? I can't afford that uh, for you to come in for that day because you're going to charge me for a full day and all we need is an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send my costume designer over to you. And that would help save me sometimes a little bit of money, which every little bit would help. Mm-hmm. But you know, with SAG, you know, you really have to honor those agreements where you're paying for ADR. Mm-hmm. You're paying for... Um, uh, you know, for your wardrobe fittings, you're paying for usually if it's rehearsal, I do the rehearsal on the same day as, you know, they're coming in for the final wardrobe fitting. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. not paying twice kind of thing. Uh, and I tell my director that we're probably only going to get that one day you know, or half day or whatever uh, at that budget level. Um, so, you know, you just, and then if, if he wants to, to go and work with the, with the, with them separately, then that's their business and we're not paying for it, you know, uh, in terms of rehearsal. So, 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 but people, so for indie filmmakers who understand if you've never even worked with SAG actors, the minimum of a normal SAG movie is I think what now, 800 and some dollars, $900, $1,000 for a normal, for a normal contract. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I remember when I was starting. I think it was seven fifty, and that was years ago. So it's and now with the, it's been two 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 ups since two upgrades since then. So it's got to be around a thousand. Yeah. So guess. so normally, which is out of the price range for most indie, like really low budget indie filmmakers. So and you want to have access to these really great actors who are a part of SAG. So this yes. SAG Ultra Low allows you to basically pay them what you would pay a PA. <laughs> essentially that, a buck a buck 25 plus uh insurance and stuff which is i think like 17 bucks or something like that um extra so for under 150 bucks you have access yeah. to really great talent of course the talent has to agree to it obviously yeah, sure. uh, but but you have that door opens to you uh and as filmmakers making low budget movies if you can get some of those named talents in there um that are willing to work or not even named talents but just good quality actors at that uh, at that price range, it opens the whole world up for um, for you yeah. as an independent filmmaker. Um, and and Alex, you're right because uh, you know the whole idea was to stop runaway production. The reason that you've got these wonderful things is you've got to give the Directors Guild, I think, a lot of credit for lobbying in Washington for six years. Ironically completely ironically when the uk kind of shut down as we knew it in october of 2004 that exact same month after six years of lobbying in washington the director's skill was able to get the government to create inside the job creation act section 181 which allowed investors of a certain you know amount um 100 tax write-off huge percent tax write-offs mm-hmm. depending on their uh on their, uh, you know, uh, what they made and so on. So uh, it, it opened up America for the first time in many, many, many years. I think the 70s was probably the last time we had that opportunity. So, uh, you know, and what happened is the Writers Guild, um, not the Writers Guild, that was the last one, the Directors Guild and, and the SAG Guild um, really were trying to help in this work, in that whole arena of working on American soil. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. How can we stop runaway production? Not stop it, but at least bring it back, you know, and have our actors and and our makeup artists and all those wonderful, talented people in the film industry work here, you know, Mm -hmm. because most of the time, if you're going to shoot up in British Columbia, I'm sorry, but you're probably going to hire 
majority actors from British Columbia and your you know makeup artists is from British Columbia and all those people because you're getting a tax incentive based on your local spend, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. I, you know, so they were losing for 15 years. They said at one point there was more movie shooting in Romania than there was anywhere across the whole world, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. West. So so the SAG Guild and, and the Directors Guild were, were really wonderful in creating this opportunity for us. The Writers Guild took about another, I think, I don't know, six years or whatever for, for them to kind of come on board. Um, but um, but it was really great, you know, uh, to be able to have this opportunity. And it was a win-win. Like people would say, oh, Suzanne, that's so disgusting. You're only paying your actor $100 a day. I remember on Candy Stripers going up at the end of the week to give people their paycheck. And the lead actor, literally, the lead actor said to me, what's this? And I said, it's your paycheck for the week. You know, it's $600 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, what for? And I said... <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's your paycheck for working. He said, I th- I would have done, I-, I thought this was free. I would have done this for free. I need the, I need the real, like, you know, every- <laughs> like, you know what I mean? These were a lot of new people and everybody wanted to work and he wanted to work to get the next work and the next work and mm-hmm, the next work, mm-hmm, move mm-hmm. up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. So it was win win. It wasn't anybody being stingy. It was like, guess what? We're all in this together. We're all able for the first time in American history, starting in 2004 or whatever to be able to raise money to the degree that we were able to. We had two unions that were really forthcoming in allowing us to be able to to use their uh, uh, incredible talented people in the in the you know the writer in the directors guild and in SAG as well. And it was just a total win win, and it was fun. I mean, we were all having fun. Now that's changed in the last couple of years, just because a couple of the other unions have really. Uh, uh, felt that it that it's not fair, you know, that we should use all unions in in anything, even from fifty thousand, um, you know. It's getting and, a little uh, that's getting a little ridiculous. It's yeah, so it's very hard now to shoot in California, especially, and certainly on uh, in certain many states on American soil. So you know, it's sadly sad. But my next movie, we're actually looking uh, at Canada. Which I don't want to trust me. I really want to shoot here. Yeah, but, but business we'll is bu- but business is business, and if the union the union pushes you too hard, you're like, well, you know what? Yeah. Then I have to take my business elsewhere. Yeah, uh, and know. if my yeah, and if the budget is higher on it, then I'm shooting here. You know, once of I course. go over the million, I want to shoot here. Yeah. But when you're under a million, it's it's just too hard. I'm sorry, but it's it's too hard. It's too hard on the uh, on the producer on everybody. You know, to to use uh, five or six unions, but um, but but anyways, it's um. It's, uh, you know, but, but in the, in from 2004 till, you know, let's say to two to three years ago, it was phenomenal. And so much more, so many more movies were shooting on American soil and offering these opportunities to everyone in the industry, all the keys, you know, all the crew, all the cast. It's mm-hmm. been fantastic. So, uh, so we're going to end the show. Um, thank you so much, by the way, by being on the show. You did, uh, of course, a fantastic job as you always do. Uh, but thank since, you. since last time, uh, I've, I've come up with a little, a few things that I always ask all my guests. And I don't think I asked this of you last time. So there's two questions I always ask everybody. Um, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in life or in the film business? The lesson that took me the longest to learn. Wow. Geez, that's really good. I didn't get that one last time. I don't think. Damn it. <laughs> that was, yeah, it's good. Uh, that's my Oprah question. I love it. That's harder than calculus, man. Uh, okay. Uh, the longest to learn. I think 
Oh man, there's now there's a couple of things. First of all, my mind went blank. Um, I think to ask for help. Okay. Is 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 the first one that popped into my head? So I'm going to go with that first. I think there's one other important one. That's first, just to ask for help because I think for some reason in this industry, I mean in life in general too, we think we're lone rangers and we have to do it, you know, on our own. Uh, God forbid, you know, God should put, you know, 7 billion people on the planet. There's a clue that we're not Lone Rangers. But anyways, mm-hmm. we never look at that. We always think it's up to us, right? And I think in the entertainment industry, it's even worse. We really feel that, you know, for some reason, we have to be Lone Rangers. And uh, and when I, and, and that's why I think even raising, raising money at first was so hard for films. And then once we realized that it doesn't have to be just me and Kate, it's like there's a whole world out there that we can ask for help. So I think it's that is is probably the first thing that comes to mind. And the other thing is that I think knowledge, I think like we talked about before, it's you've got to get really smart about whatever business it is that you're in and not so much to rely on, on other people, even though you want to ask their help, but you want to get to know what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I love to read contracts because yes, I have an attorney, but that attorney has 50 other clients and he's busy doing 50 option agreements, you know? So I, I'm, I want to be smart. About that. I went, took a course on how to read contracts, you know, and I read a bunch of attorneys, um, uh, you know, books, uh, for, for the entertainment industry. I, I want to get, I, I want to be smart about, knowing what I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think those are the two things that come to mind is, is to kind of, you know, ask for help, be willing to ask for help. You don't have to be a lone ranger. And secondly, to kind of be smart about what it is that you're doing and, you know, and that sort of thing like that. And what are three of three of your favorite films of all time? Oh my God, you're difficult today. (laughs) Three of my oh my god that's so hard because I love so many genres I love horror I love I love romantic comedy I'd have to say uh, Little Romance that's when I was falling in love you know for the with with my husband uh, that movie uh, Diane Lane that's back in oh god that <laughs> late seventies um, we were in film school and mm-hmm, broadcasting mm-hmm. school at the time um, Little Romance is one of my favorite romantic uh, comedies of all time. Uh, certainly Harold and Maude, just because I know it's everybody's favorite, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can't watch it, what we've all watched 20 times. Um, uh, certainly that's a, that's a classic. Um, God, I love all the diehard movies. I love all the lethal weapons. I've seen everything probably 10 times, anything sci-fi I've seen 10 times. Um, those would be my two, fa- and then I think, you know what, I have to say <laughs> one of my own, <laughs> Undertaking Betty. I think that's one of my <laughs> Honest to God, I mean, seriously, as much as I love sci-fi and action and all that stuff, I'm a major action in sci-fi. And to me, it's like I say to my husband, if there's no car chase, it's not a movie, right? Um, <laughs> and he's always trying to drag me to art house movies. Um, I would have to say I love Undertaking Betty. I've probably seen it a hundred times because I had to, you know, during all the different processes. But I would still watch it again a hundred times. It's one of the funniest, best romantic comedies ever. And um, and I also <clears throat> love <clears throat> those the art kind of movies too. I mean, uh, Eric Von Loy is one of my favorite directors and, and Memory of a Killer, I think would be another one. Uh, phenomenal, uh, artistic um, a thriller. Very, I love, uh, you know, those kind of art movies. Panic is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost that director far too soon. That's another uh, kind of very artistic. I love artistic thrillers. I have to remember, I just saw that a couple of months ago, uh, you know, with, um, uh, uh, with uh, Christopher Plummer. 
Uh, that's another artistic thriller. I, I do love the artistic thrillers too, but I think the first three that I mentioned will remain my first three for now. So Suzanne, I, I hear that you're going to be teaching a workshop this month. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I will. I mean, I haven't had time to do one in around six years. I've been busy producing. <laughs> right. Actually making <laughs> yes, movies, <I> right? <laughs> At one point, um, I, I did a lot of the classes on indie film producing, uh, 2007, after I'd finished Candy Stance and Portal, those early ones. And I learned so much from those early ones. I thought I have to teach a class because I realized how many mistakes we were all making. Um, so it really, the class takes you, but I haven't had time, like I said, for almost six years and I'm limiting it to a dozen people. Like I did the last one I did was a dozen people. It's nice. So it's intimate. It's wonderful. Um, it takes you from the uh, beginning, uh, from optioning, everything from optioning the screenplay all the way through in tiny little steps, just like my book. I wrote a book on indie film producing for Focal Press back uh, in 2011, 2012. And um, it takes you through all the steps along the way. Uh, because I think when we think of, oh my God, I got to produce a movie and you know raise 250000 and do a SAG ultra low and get all that done, our head explodes and nothing ever happens, right? We hear people talking about it for, for 10 years. Whereas into little bite-sized pieces, it's like, okay, let's focus on this first, you know, focus on this piece, focus on this piece. So that's what I do in the workshop. It's a one day intensive, nine in the morning till six. I'll have a two to three guest speakers there to, to uh, kind of highlight certain areas that are kind of difficult for people. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And, uh, and I'll take you through the entire thing. It's um, You get a copy of the book. You get a binder that's worth around $20,000, Alex, because wow. I include private placement memorandum, my operating agreements, say contracts, crew, crew contracts, subscription agreements. Um, a SAG ultra low budget is in there. An actual one, my seance one is actually in there. Uh, it's real stuff. It's the real deal memos that we did on those actual movies, um, on real movies. So it's based on the making of the SAG ultra low and the SAG modified. I had a person in one of my classes whose budget was 25 million. And I said, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm just going to map everything on. And it never occurred to me. So people of all budget sizes have been in there. I've had writers who are tired of waiting, who are coming in saying, I'm going to learn how to do it. Uh, what I do recommend, Alex, is to have people in there only that are serious. If you're going to be shooting in the next 18 months, if you're not shooting your movie for, for five years from now, don't do the class now. Save the space because it is very limited. There's seven people registered already. Only five uh, left. Wow five spaces left and I've just got a call actually yesterday uh, from somebody else where I'm going to talk to him today but um, uh, it's very small uh, because I think that's the best way to do it because there will be a lot of questions and there's going to be a lot of concerns it's a big deal you know mm -hmm. raising money uh, it's a big deal uh, honestly it's a year and a half of your life two years of your life you know and then being responsible for that baby for the rest of your life right mm -hmm. You know, intense labor pains about to happen. So uh, I only want to work with uh, with the people that are very serious. It's expensive. Uh, it's um, the early bird special, which is, ends tomorrow. Actually, is four ninety five. It's of course itself is five ninety five, which mm -hmm. is what I've been offering. You know, for for quite a few years now, five ninety five. However, for your guys, Alex, mm -hmm. for anybody from the hustle. If they say they're from indie, um, indie film hustle, then I'm going to stay not just with the early bird till next Sunday, which would be, you know, October 16th. If anyone from your group registers by October 16th, okay. 
they will not just get the early bird of four ninety five, but I'll knock another fifty off. So it'll be four forty five. Oh wow. That's so generous of you. Thank you so much. Welcome. You're welcome. Well, I mean, you've been just phenomenal with me, Alex, and you're going to be continuing to be phenomenal with me, I know, because we've got this great friendship now with these podcasts and all this other stuff. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that a lot. And I've had a lot of wonderful thank yous from the early podcasts I did. So I want to thank you for that. But the course to me is incredible. If you go online and just even check the reviews from my book, Mm -hmm. I, I was looking at them yesterday. I'd never looked at them before. I almost cried. I mean, I really had no idea just how impactful and helpful. People said that they've read, they've tried to read many indie film books and this was the only one they actually finished because it really does set it up in a step-by-step i'll even discuss how to do your accounting so instead of it being five thousand dollars you can get it down to five hundred dollars you know with your accountant uh i'll talk about taxes i even did i did my own like taxes i did my own uh, i i did my all my own 1099s to help save the money on that sort of thing like my own marketing you know i talk about the social media now that we've done that on time toys we had to start a year early because we thought we might be self-distributing so how do you prepare for the self-distribution aspect as well how do you get to know the sales agents i'm going to have um, a speaker talk about preparing for the american film market so we'll definitely because it's only three days four days later right after right that. right yeah on Wednesday, yeah, the 2nd of November. So we'll talk about how do you best prepare for that. You know, then, I, you, Alex, you said you're going to offer to come in. You're a post uh, Yeah, I'm going to be – I'll be doing a little guest speaking on the post-production and deliverables yeah. and all that kind of stuff as yeah. well. And I'm going to – I can even get a sales agent to come in for half an hour. So hopefully you for half an hour, Heather, you know, for half – and Heather Hale for half an hour – and then I'll get a sales agent to come in for half an hour and, you know, we'll, we'll add some stuff to it. It's going to be, if I do say so myself, it's phenomenal, nah, phenomenal class. Now, guys, so you guys know um, where to go. Just go to IndieFilmHustle.com yeah. forward slash Suzanne, and that'll take you directly to all the contact paper, all the contact uh, stuff, uh, all the contact information on how to get a hold of, Diane, of uh, Suzanne and, uh, and sign up for the course. And just so you know, uh, my, the course itself will be on October 29th. It's on a Saturday. Here in Los Angeles. A full Saturday. Here in Los Angeles. And Encino. Yeah, Sherman Oaks, Encino. It's going to be at a business building. Uh, so it's free parking, which is nice in the business building. A friend of mine owns the, the spot. We're going to use it. It's wonderful. L- lots of restaurants close by. You'll be with great people. I mean, the seven people already that have registered, I would want to hang out with. They're they're nice. active. One of the guys has already produced two movies. He did my class years ago. He's done two, but he's teamed up with two new partners that are new. So they're doing it together. So it's and oh, anyways, it's a really good group already. I'm I'm looking forward to it because I'm looking forward to learning from everybody in the class too. You know, <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much for uh, being on be the ha- call. Oh, but thank you again so much for being on the show. It, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I know we could talk for probably another two or three hours. But uh, but thank you again so so much. You've you've dropped a lot of knowledge bombs on the indie film hustle tribe. So thanks again. <laughs> thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. All right, talk to you later. I told you she'd be dropping some major knowledge bombs in this episode, man. I love Suzanne. She she's a wealth of information, and I am going to be at that course, that workshop that she's going to be teaching uh, later this month because you can never learn too much. And my God, she is a wealth of information and has experience. So I wanted to definitely hear what she has to say. So, guys, definitely check it out. There's only four spots left. So uh, if just head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash Suzanne. And that'll give you all the information you need for uh, to call her, contact her, and uh, sign up. So 
Uh, gonna give you a quick update on This Is Meg. I am currently working on a trailer for This Is Meg, so you guys can at least see a little bit of what I've done with this movie, and because uh, it won't be able to be seen in its entirety for at least till next year, uh, until we start going through the festival circuit. But I at least wanted to give everybody a trailer to kind of get a taste of what the craziness that uh, I shot with uh, This Is Meg. So I am currently working on it. It is a beast to do a good one. So I am working on it as we speak. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll have something to show you guys. And as always, uh, head over to filmmakingpodcast.com. That's filmmakingpodcast.com. And leave me an honest review of the show if you really like it. I really appreciate it. Helps us get the word out on what we're doing here at Indie Film Hustle. And if you want to go to the show notes for this episode, it's uh, IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 105. And it'll have links to everything we discussed in the episode. So as always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast.